Not to mention there's ice cream you serve yourself. So my kids were all about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they must have loved the ship then, but we'll get there in a minute. Yeah. everybody this week's episode of the dcl duo podcast and i'm gonna start as i've taken to doing by introducing my lovely co-host the on-air talent my wife the better half of this duo samantha hi sam hey brian good morning <laughs> i mean i give you an intro and then you don't run with it so i don't know what to do with that <laughs> I, I don't know what to do with that that's just like uh like is that dropping the mic or i, I don't know what that is so. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope you yet once again have enjoyed your lovely green room amenities this morning. <laughs> consisted of Starbucks where, where coffee. Where am I? I think I, you know, I think I ordered some orange M and M's, and I don't see any. You and the M and M's. You and the M and M's. You and the M and M's. All right. Well, we've got a fun show today. We're excited to welcome our guest, Katie, to the show. Welcome, Katie. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. And today's topic is sort of near and dear to our heart, and that is traveling with special needs kiddos. And we've got some other sort of tips in there from Katie as we go. But Katie, before we dive into the meat of the show, we always love to get our guests Disney cruising backgrounds. And so uh, what's your background with Disney Cruise Line? Well, my background is this was our first cruise. So (laughs) this was the first time that we went. But I I grew up going to Disney World a lot. And I went a lot growing up. And I've been quite a few times in the past several years. So we ended up doing a little bit of a land and sea trip this time. Nice. Nice. And where where were you cruising? Which ship? which, uh, Which port? So we were on the Disney Dream. And it was going from Port Canaveral to the Bahamas. Perfect. So Nassau Castaway? Yes. Yeah. Three three night, four night? It was a three night. Unfortunately, I wish it was longer. Yeah, we, all, we always <laughs> That's do. That's what always happens. We always do. That's why we book more cruises on board. You like, can't really do that right now. <laughs> but a three night is a good a three night is a good way to start, I think, to make sure that Disney Cruise Line is something that works for you and your family. So for sure. And we initially actually had a four-night cruise planned, and then I got COVID and generously passed it on to my family, so we had to reschedule. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Well, at least it happened before. <laughs> at least you right? I'm like what you experienced. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, what's your experience with the parks then, Katie? So we went a lot when I was growing up. I'm the oldest of three kids in my family, and my parents had a tradition where when each kid turned five, they had their first Disney World trip. So being the oldest, naturally, I got to go when I was five, when my my brother was five and when my sister was five. Nice. So that kind of worked out well for me. I got the good deal there. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, went several times in between there. I went with friends a couple times. And so I've just been quite a quite a bit. I would say though I was I had a big gap where I didn't go because I lived out of the country for a little bit. And that was a you know sad time not going to Disney World, but I've made up for it in the past few years. So <laughs> Have you been to any of the international parks? I haven't because I lived in the Caribbean, so no ah. no options of going there. Right. It's not like you were closer. Well, and Katie, when you wrote in, you have uh, provided some helpful background on your family, and maybe we should just start there uh, to orient folks into the episode. So when you travel, who are you traveling with? So I traveled with my husband, Nick, and then our three kids who are 
11, 7, and 4. And you are a, a foster parent or an adoptive parent, is that right? Yeah, so I was a foster parent. Now I'm just an adoptive parent because we finalized the adoptions, which is exciting. Oh, um, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So it all was kind of happening at the time of the cruise. I was like, I don't know if they're going to be adopted before or after or or what. So it was kind of interesting planning. But yeah, we've we fostered and adopted our youngest first, and then we added our two older kids to our family recently. So it's been, they've been with us for almost two years, but they've only been adopted since January. Oh, how wonderful. And Katie, when you wrote in, you also mentioned that you've got some experience traveling with uh, kiddos who might have like ADHD and and those sorts of diagnoses. Is that that, uh, your family members? Yes. So my kids, I, I won't express like which one has this, but I have a, you know a couple kids with ADHD. We have PTSD. We have anxiety, you know, lots of diagnoses. And so I was definitely a little worried about that heading into the trip. I was like, how are they going to respond? What are they going to think? So we did a lot to prepare them in advance. So I thought I'd share some of that. Fantastic. Had the kids ever been to the Disney parks before this experience? No. Um, okay. Because that's that can be kind of overwhelming as well. Oh, yeah. That's what we were more worried about. Because originally, we only planned to cruise for that exact reason. We thought this is going to be too overstimulating. It's going to be too overwhelming. Uh, but we felt like our kids could actually handle it. And we had to reschedule it. We're like, let's make it a little sweeter for them and add Disney World because they were so disappointed when we canceled. And you know, with foster kids, a big thing is building trust. And when you say you're going to do something, you have to follow through because they've had so much disappointment in their lives. I think I was more devastated than the kids were when I got COVID and we had to cancel because I'm like, oh, no, there goes some trust. Like I told them we were going and we've got this paper chain counting down and now we have to cancel it. So that was definitely, you know, a part of why we went to Disney World. Uh, But they they handled it decently well. Um, The cruise was definitely better, (laughs) in my opinion, but it was both both parts were good. Yeah, the parks are super stimulating. And so and it's just a lot. It's, a, you know, long days and things like that. I, uh, the cruise line, and we'll get into more details on this, but cr- the cruise line, you have a lot more opportunities for sort of respite time back in the, you know, the room or at the pool or something like that. Exactly. And so much easier to get back to your room than when you're at the parks, you know. So uh, we actually only planned one day at Disney World. And we told the kids we're only going one day. But we secretly were like, if it goes well, we're going to take them a second day. <laughs> but we don't want to promise that because what if it's terrible? <laughs> but right. we it, it went well. And we had the disability pass, which was like incredible. I don't know how we would have made it through the day without it. Oh, so yes. it definitely helped our experience, you know, work a lot better because we had that. Did you do the cruise first? Or did you go to the parks first? We went to the parks first, so I wanted to kind of go to the parks and then relax. Yeah, Yeah, perfect. Very smart. That was the right answer in our book. So good, 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 good work. (laughs) I mean, other people, yeah, other people do it differently, and it works. You know, it may work for some families, but we personally think that, and and we can't always do it this way. Sometimes we have to do the parks after, just because of you know schedule or whatnot. But we personally think that it's a, a better experience to do the parks first and then the cruise because of the go, go, go at the parks. And then you can kind of relax at the, on the cruise side. Oh, exactly. I, I was amazed by how relaxing the cruise was. I was like, this is great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and where were you coming from, Katie? We're coming from Ohio. Okay. So you had to fly. You didn't drive down or yeah, maybe you did we, drive. we flew. No, we flew. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't want to be in the car for that long with three kids, you know? <laughs> no. 
Well, let's talk about the planning for the parks then, since you did it first. You mentioned the Disability Access Pass. Do you want to let folks know what the Disability Access Pass is and uh, what the process was like for you to get that done for your kids? So the pass basically allows you, I, I think it's really similar to Genie Plus, like even the system you use is really similar. So you are actually able to not have to wait in the line. Um, you still have to wait, but you're waiting out, you know, outside, you can go do other things, which was super nice. So basically, you check in on the app, and you'd say, I want to go to Space Mountain at the next available time. And then it would be like, that's a 50 minute wait. And so during that 50 minute wait, we could go and ride Dumbo or something like a, a shorter wait. And then we could come back and we'd go through like that Genie Plus line um, to get on the ride quicker. So that was really helpful for us. It just eliminated all that time of building up anxiety waiting in line, which I think was a big deal for our kids. We we did wait in a couple of lines and it was like a completely different experience. Our kids were like, I think I'm too afraid to go on this ride, you know, so the past definitely helped us avoid that. Now, did you pre-book the pass or did you book it when you got to the park? We pre-booked it because we did not want to have to waste any time at the park because we knew we were possibly there only one day. So we waited. We waited for like six hours on the computer to have a meeting with someone from you know Disney and our child. We only got one for one of our children, even though it could have applied to all of them because it counts for the whole family. So we had one of our children sit in on the call and they asked our child questions. They asked you know my husband questions on the call. And it was super fast once we actually met with someone. And they just they basically ask you what are reasons why waiting in lines would be difficult for your child and what are some of those things. They do not ask for specific diagnoses because I don't think they are legally allowed to do that. But they want to make sure that your family has a good day at the parks and that other guests have a good day at the parks as well. So it, it kind of helps both. Yep. And I've, I've done the same uh, advanced call as you, Katie. One time uh, I waited so long that they ended up closing for the day. <laughs> Oh, and then, no. Yeah. So I didn't end up talking to anyone that day. But then another time I tried calling early in the morning, right when they opened. This was actually on a, a Disneyland one and was able to get through right away. And the conversation was also super quick. I found that telling them the diagnosis, even though they don't ask and they specifically say we don't need to know it, made the conversation go a little faster. They asked less questions <laughs> once I shared the, when I shared the diagnosis freely. But I agree, you don't have to. It just makes the can make the process a little bit quicker. So did you book some DAS advance bookings? And then if so, why don't you tell our listeners what that is? Yes. So we did book some in advance. I thought that was a really nice feature. It's almost like actually getting FastPass back, you know, like where you get to book it in advance. Um, so I, I'm trying to remember which I think we did like Space Ranger Spin because my son picked that one. And then we let the girls pick another one. And so it was really nice because we got to book those in advance. And we knew the times that we were going to go back. And so we kind of set those for later in the day when we thought it might get busier. And and then when we actually got to the park, we could have one pass at a time. And that those two that we planned ahead of time did not count against that. So if we arrived and we said, okay, we want to go on Seven Dwarves and it has a 45-minute wait or something, then we just you know tap it. We come back in 45 minutes. As soon as we get off that ride, I can book another one for a different ride. So that was definitely nice. We did actually have some technology issues with the system though, when we first got to the park. And so it was a little annoying because we did like, we didn't quite rope drop, but we were there early for us. And, and then we had to spend like the first 15 or 20 minutes, you know, getting help from guest services, which they were super helpful, but they were even like, 
we do not know what is going on with your app right now. Like I've never seen this happen before. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> Glad to be the, the unicorn here. <laughs> yeah, Disney tech, Disney tech. But so just to give a little bit more explanation, the DAS Advance Pass, there are some rides, not all the rides. So like Seven Dwarfs is not on the list that you, if you get the disability access pass, you can book two rides a day. And again, it's a limited list of rides that you basically get almost exactly like a fast pass return. It is an hour window where you have a reservation for that particular ride and you just go through the genie, the genie line. So it is really exactly like the old fast pass system for those two DAS advance um, tickets. It, it's a really nice benefit for, you know, for people with disabilities who do have that difficulty waiting in line. I just also want to go back to the original sort of DAS pass explanation and just provide a little bit more context and reinforce something that Katie said, which is that the DAS pass is really intended to help folks who cannot wait in line. So kids with and adults with ADHD, autism, and sensory kinds of disorders typically don't do well (laughs) standing for an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, three hours, four hours in line. And so the DAS pass exists in part to help those people. I want to say it's a benefit to the park goers because then you don't have to witness our child having a total and complete meltdown in line. And it doesn't give the user fast pass access. They go through the lightning lane or the genie lane. They have waited. They have gone and gotten a return time and the park makes you wait the length of time that at that point in time, like it looks at the posted wait time and says, come back in an hour, come back in two hours, and that's going to be your ride window. At that point, you get to go through the genie line, but the idea is you would have waited or you have actually waited that amount of time, just not standing in the line. It's a great benefit. People have abused it, and so they have they have made changes to it over time. Uh, and so the, you know, the current iteration may be what it is for a while. It seems to be working uh, as Katie know, you don't have to give your diagnosis, but we have all we have always found we've we've just always been transparent that our our son and we've said this on the show has ADHD and has been diagnosed on the autism spectrum, and so we're not shy about that. He knows that uh, he advocates for himself, and we have found when we say that they they move us through much more quickly. So yeah, and I actually kind of struggled with the idea of should we sign up for it. I, I was like, I don't want to be one of those people who's abusing the system, or but my husband was like, no, like. Our kids definitely need yeah. this. So I was like, yeah. okay. Yeah. And yeah. I, I totally agree. After being at the park, I'm like, I cannot imagine if we didn't have that. I think we would have left early. Oh, yeah. With, with our son when he was younger, I think we would have probably gotten one ride in and had to go um, because he was already challenged just the waiting between rides. And we were pushing him around in a stroller until he was, you know, probably much older than was reasonable to be using a stroller. I personally liked it also because I could hang stuff off the stroller and put stuff underneath. Uh, I'm sad uh, that uh, next time we go or the times that we've been since it's been backpack land for dad. But, you know, that's what it is. But now he's he's able to sort of walk around and entertain himself a little bit between the rides. But standing around in a you know a three hour line, that would be a no go uh, for him. So. Um, so, yeah, we've we and we've struggled with that. We have struggled with oh, is this an, are we abusing the system? And, and I, I do come down on the side that we're not. He, he's diagnosed with this and we've seen the outcomes <laughs> if it's bad. And we've tried to wait in lines a few times and sometimes he's okay and sometimes he's just not. 
Well, Katie, I'm curious. Let's skip ahead into the trip. You know, where, where did you stay on property and how did you get around? So actually, we did not stay on property this time because uh, my um, husband's aunt actually gave us her timeshare. So she was like, just use it. And so we were like, okay, so we we weren't staying on property this time. I think it would be nice to next time just to have the transportation aspect of it. But we just had a car that we rented and we took it back and forth. And that worked for us for those few days. Nice. How far, how far away were you from the parks? It was not too far. If I remember, it was probably like 10 minutes or so. It wasn't bad. Did you did you find any challenges? I know that they have changed the entry system to favor on-site guests and especially on-site deluxe resort guests. Was that challenging for you at all or with the DAS and, you know, I don't know if you did you get Genie Plus and, you know, were you able to sort of get the rides in that you wanted? Because you were only there for initially a day, which is pretty big ask uh, for... Disney World. Yeah, we actually were able to get on quite a bit. I'm trying to think if there were any major ones we didn't do. I know um, Big Thunder Mountain was closed, so we couldn't go on that anyway. But we hit all of the main rides, really, a few times, I would say. I I think we might have missed some smaller ones. Like, we didn't do the Barnstormer. We didn't do... I don't think we ended up doing Dumbo. I think we did, like, the carpets instead, you know. So... There were a couple small ones, but we did pirates and we did like all the classic ones in my mind we were able to do. That's nice. awesome. I assume you did not park hop that you stayed just in Magic Kingdom. No, we did not park hop. We're like, no, we're just going to do one day, one place just to avoid all the, the drama that could come along with trying to park hop in the middle of the day. So I think that was the best choice for us. Yeah, I think that's a smart strategy in general. If you only have, you know, one or two days at the parks, like really park hopping at Disney World. And I say Disney World because Disneyland is different. It takes a lot of time to hop between parks. And so it's a lot of time wasted, in my opinion, if you don't if you have a limited amount of time at Disney World. And so I think the best, especially with younger kids, best option is probably to just, you know, do a day at the Magic Kingdom um, if you've got that limited time. And that's what we did. And then the second day we went, we took them to Hollywood Studios. Um, and so that was fun. They actually did pretty well there too. But that day was crazy busy. We definitely didn't get on everything there that we had hoped we would get on. I will say just one advantage of staying on property for folks out there, especially that we find with our son, is that it, at Disney World, it's it's tough to get around. I mean, well, it's not tough. It's just Disneyland, you can walk places and be back at your resort hotel room in about 20 minutes. Uh, at Disney World, you got to take some form of transportation to get anywhere. But the benefit is we're, we're able to take midday breaks, which look for parents, I would say with kids in general, a midday break is a great thing to do for some adults. <laughs> I, know, I know the Rope Drop Radio crew loves their rope drop to nap time. Uh, and so loves that mid-afternoon break. And then they head back into the parks in the evening. And that's that's generally kind of what we try to do too, is get in early, get some rides out of the way, uh, head back to the pool in you know, what's hopefully the heat of the day. It's hopefully not a terrible day out or just head back to the room and, and get some downtime. And then we go back out usually for like an early-ish dinner and then head back into the parks. And so uh, staying on property, I think, enables that a little bit more easily than staying off property. But I don't know, Katie, did you did you take midday breaks with the kids or did you find a way to do that? We did not take midday breaks where we went back um, to the to the hotel. If we were staying on property and if we were there for a longer period of time, we would definitely do that. Even when my husband and I have gone to like Universal on our own on a trip, we take a midday nap. Like we go back and we <laughs> sleep. 
Yeah, I think if it was a longer trip, we would have, but I was like, I really want to take advantage of the day. So we very strategically had like dining reservations that were kind of at the time of the day where I figured the kids would be really tired. And they were, you know, we could kind of take our time there and be in the air conditioning and relax and have it be a little bit less overwhelming. And so when we were at Magic Kingdom, we went to Crystal Palace and we just were there for a long time. Oh, the best. Yeah. I say the best. I mean, it's still a buffet food. It's just, I love like the atmosphere there. I love the characters there because I'm a big Winnie the Pooh fan. And, you know, it just, I like it as a, I think it's a good location. I don't know. Some of the restaurants don't have great sit down spaces. And I think Crystal Palace actually has a pretty decent table and, and they're pretty comfortable. <laughs> Not to mention there's ice cream you serve yourself. So my kids were all about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, they must have loved the ship then, but we'll get there in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, and I'm curious about one more thing, Katie, which is uh, what was your day like in terms of when did you start and when did you leave? Was it was it rope drop to fireworks or uh, yeah, what was the how was the day? So we didn't quite do rope drop. Like you said, if you're staying on property, you can get in the parks earlier. And so my husband was very much like, we are not going at rope drop because our kids will be so tired and then we'll have a horrible time. And I was like, kills me a little because I'm like a rope dropper. And he was like, no. I'm telling you, it's going to be better if we don't do that. So we we went a little bit after rope drop. We weren't like too late, but we didn't like get there early and line up outside, you know, all of that, um, which I think would have been hard for our kids anyway, because they'd be waiting to go in and they're just excited. And so we did stay all the way through fireworks, but our kids did not want to watch the fireworks. We were like, hey, guys, like it's time to go get our seat for fireworks. And they're like, do we have to? We really just want to go on Splash Mountain again. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> I mean, I I think you guys would really like them. They're like, I don't think we want to do it. So I was like, okay, I, I've seen the fireworks before. I, I think you'd like it, but we let them choose. And it was kind of cool because we were on Splash Mountain when like fireworks were going and the kids really enjoyed it. So I was like, you know what? That's what they wanted. I don't want to go have to sit for half an hour waiting with them being all agitated. So it worked for us, but we were there through fireworks, just not watching them. Well, and that's actually a good strategy because the lines get a lot shorter because a lot of people are, you know, on, on Main Street lining up to watch fireworks. So you can get in a couple of rides. It's kind of like the same with the parades, right? People are lined up to watch the parades or the fireworks. You know, the ride lines tend to drop for a little while. Yeah, well, I, our son struggled with fireworks in the beginning. He he likes the ones on the ship because it's like three minutes. He does. He's not a huge fan because of the noise. He just gets yeah. It's my it's son too loud. is like that too. I mean, if we're at like a wedding, even with loud music, he's like covering his ears. And so even on the cruise, he was a little affected by that. Like he he did not like the deck parties and stuff when they're dancing. He's just like, can we go now? You know. So I think it was probably a good choice for us to just go on rides. You mentioned prepping the kids before you went. What did you do to prepare your kids? Because I think those are good tips even for folks looking to take their kids for the first time to the parks or on the cruise. So how did you prepare them for those experiences? So it's kind of funny because we didn't tell our kids we were going on this trip at all until Christmas. Um, that was like their big Christmas present. And it was a surprise. And we were supposed to be going in January. And I, I partially didn't tell them too far in advance because I knew they'd be asking me every day for six months when we were leaving. 
And I also didn't want to you know, get their hopes up if something happened or whatever. But in that time, even though I didn't tell them we were going, I was like, oh, I'm watching a Disney World vlog. Do you guys want to watch it with me? And they were like, sure. <laughs> so I was like laying the groundwork and especially for the cruise, because I really wanted to make sure that that was something they would want to do. And so I had shown them like cruise vlogs and stuff that we had found, especially ones with families. And oh my gosh, they were like, oh, I want to go on a Disney cruise. And I'd say, me too. But you know, it's just so expensive. I don't know if we're going to be able to do it. Like, even though I knew (laughs) I had already booked it and everything, but it was good because they saw the kids go into the kids club and like they saw what it was like and they knew what to expect before we went in. So YouTube was like our best friend leading up to the trip because... They got to actually see it and almost experience it through the screen. And then they knew what was going to happen. Did you do the same for the parks as as well? Yeah, leading up to the parks, when we decided we were going to go, we did watch quite a few videos. And I actually had some Disney World vlogs on my channel from like when I first started. And so they got to watch us going there like before they were even in our family and stuff. So that was kind of fun. Uh, They enjoyed seeing those too. That's really fun. I love that. What did you do maybe differently? Because you said you've traveled there on your own and now you're traveling with kids and special needs kids at that. And so I guess, what did you do differently? Did you you bring anything along? that maybe you wouldn't have thought to? Uh, did you have any experience inside the parks, either with cast members or, or others that you, know, you thought was unique because of you know, your kids or anything like that? I would say the biggest difference is I really tried to go into this trip thinking this is a trip for the kids and I need to have really low expectations for what they can handle because I didn't want to walk in thinking we're going to get all of this stuff done. We're going to be able to see everything we want to see and ride everything we want to ride. And I, I just kind of was like setting my expectations low and it I, I'm glad I did because they actually exceeded my expectations. It went way better than I anticipated. And so it was a really positive day where we could just say like, hey, guys, you're doing so great right now. Like, we're really proud of you. Like, so it was it was good because it made the day a lot more positive. Um, I will say it's definitely more stressful being in lines with kids especially kids who are like ADHD and climbing all over things. And I'm like such a rule follower that I'm just like, no. And there'd be other families who they were letting their kids like climb up the rock at the Little Mermaid ride. And you're like, I know that kid is doing that, but we're not doing that. Just trying to set the boundaries. I definitely think that was, it was definitely more stressful, obviously, because I'm like, okay, when we go on this line, we're going to have to do this and trying to prep them before we we got in the line. I can't think of anything really that we had to interact with cast members differently or anything like that. Because honestly, like I said, the, the kids kind of exceeded my expectations with how the day would go. So obviously, that's why we went back a second day. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a great tip, though, in general. And I think that this applies to families with special needs kids equally to families with young kids. Um who are completely, who are neurotypical, frankly. You need to have different expectations going to Disney World or going on vacation, frankly, with young kids. It, it, it's not the same kind of vacation as you had, you know, and this should seem obvious, but I don't think it is as obvious to folks. People expect, oh, my kids are going to love Disney World and they're going to love all of the rides and they're going to go on everything and I'm going to get to go on everything I went on before I had kids. It, that's not going to happen. Your kids are probably not going to want to go on the Tower of Terror unless you lie to them about what it is. And then they're going to be hating you and scared out of their minds, potentially, depending, obviously, on the temperament of your child. But, you know, there's just some things you aren't going to get to do. Or if you want to do them, 
you're going to need to, you know, split up. So Brian and I, you know, we, we only have one child, so it's a little easier to do this. You know, if we're at Disneyland and Brian wants to go on the Incredicoaster, well, guess what? Nathan is not going on the Incredicoaster and I would go on it, but it's not my favorite ride. So Nathan and I will go on, you know, the Symphony Swings and Brian, you know, we'll separate from Brian for 30 to 40 minutes and Brian will go on the Incredicoaster and that's fine. But you just have to sort of go in understanding your your kid may not want to do some of these bigger adventurous rides, but that's probably the best reason to go to Disney over Universal when you have young kids. Oh, for sure. Universal rides are way more intense. And oh, and like even the line queues are scary. Sometimes we're like, there's no way we're ready for that. Right, exactly. We have not taken Nathan to Universal yet. And I do want to eventually take him because I love Harry Potter world. And I love, you know, I want, I haven't, I still haven't been on the Hagrid's ride. Oh, it's really good. <laughs> yeah. And I, but, but I also know like 90% of the rides at that park, he's not going to want to go on. Or if I lie to him, he's going to hate me after. So yeah, it's, you know, Disney has much more mild rides. Plus they have all the shows and the characters and stuff. So there's other things to do beyond a roller coaster. But yeah, I have, I think the expectation thing is really important. Um, And knowing how long your kid can make it through the day. Some kids can make it through the whole day without a break. Other kids can't, you know, if, if you, if your kid is sort of just grown out of a stroller, I would say bring a stroller um, or, or rent a stroller because it is a lot of walking and it's much easier uh, if your kid is in a stroller. Yeah, our daughter is four. So like, obviously, she's out of stroller, but we didn't bring one for her because she hates being still. (laughs) So she doesn't want to be confined or anything. But you know, her problem more is she might be running ahead of us and we have to say, you know, stay with us and everything. But actually, one thing we also did to prep was when we would go places like the zoo nearby, we would tell the kids, you know, if you can't handle the zoo very well, we're probably not going to want to take you guys to Disney World for several years. (laughs) Like we would (laughs) say that stuff. And we're like, so when we wait in lines, like you need to show us how you can handle it. And And it was kind of funny because they understood that like going to Disney World was like something we were going to do when they were more ready. And I said, it's not a punishment. I want to make sure you enjoy your trip there. And if we're going there, I want you to like it. So they kind of used that. And I mean, we had some pretty awful zoo visits the first year everyone was here, but we really like made a lot of progress. And I was like, okay, I think we can do it now. Well, we need to take a quick pause in the action here to thank our amazing sponsors over at Touring Plans. We use Touring Plans Travel to book our own Disney vacations and just love, love, love our Touring Plans Travel Specialist. She waits on hold when we don't have time. She monitors cruise deals for us and rebooks to get us lower rates on some of the cruise lines that actually where the prices actually do go down, <laughs> like Disney Cruise Line. Uh, so she does watch those rates for us and rebook. She steers us toward cruises we would like and room categories and gives us suggestions. And so while we have our preferences, she's always there and available to help us out. And when we plan a parks vacation, it's just gotten so complicated of late with all the new Genie technology and everything. Like I need to rely on someone who really understands what's going on. And she absolutely helps us there as well. So we love the folks over at Touring Plans. What we love most is that the philosophy of Touring Plans aligns with the philosophy of our own podcast. We're not out to sell you a Disney vacation. We're not travel agents ourselves. And so we just like to give our honest opinions and reviews. And I think you'll find the folks over at Touring Plans will also give you their honest opinions and reviews of different sailings and ships uh, and steer you toward the thing that they think is the best for your family. So 
remember, you don't pay anything extra to use a travel agent, especially when booking Disney vacations. Disney pays the travel agent at the time you travel. You're leaving money on the table. If you don't use a travel agent, you're certainly leaving expertise on the table if you don't. So we highly recommend the folks over at Touring Plans. Head over there. Check them out. Touringplans.com slash travel. Let them know the DCL Duo sent you to help support the show. And with that, back to our episode. Well, let's shift over to the cruise because uh, I, I want to make sure we spend some time there. And let me just start by asking, you know, we talked about the planning for the parks. Was there anything different about the planning for the cruise line? And, you know, did you reach out in advance at all to let them know about your kids before you got on board? I, I don't know that that was necessary, but I'm just curious, was there any steps that you had to take there? There was a lot of planning and a lot of stress before we left. So we did we did use a travel agent and she was really helpful. But, you know, most people don't know much about taking foster kids on a cruise. And at this time, we knew we were going to be adopting our older two kids at some point, but I had no clue when. Like it could have happened in November. It could have happened in May. Like I had no idea. And so I kind of asked her what she thought I should do. And she was like, I'm pretty sure you can just put their current legal name. And if it changes, like I think, you know, either we can change it somehow or we'll figure it out. You know, like it'll be okay. And so bef- before I booked, I also, I just was like, I'm going to contact DCL via email so that I can have like a confirmation that they said it was fine. Yes. <laughs> so, in ri- you need it in writing. Whatever, whatever they say, you want it in writing. So I emailed them and I just explained the situation. We have these foster kids. They might be adopted before we leave. They might not. I'm not really sure what to do. I said, you know, would we be able to, because the thing is, is you have to have a birth certificate to take for your kid to leave the country. Well, they'd be getting a new birth certificate once they're adopted, but it takes you know a month or so to get that. So if they're adopted the week before we leave, what are we going to do? So I was like kind of asking and they confirmed that I could just use the old birth certificate and it would be okay. So that is actually what ended up happening. We found out we could adopt them and it was going to be around the time of our cruise that was planned in January that ended up getting canceled for COVID. And so I requested that their adoption day be after the cruise so that we didn't have to worry about that. Well, then I got COVID. We had to move it anyway. So it ended up being really stressful, but everything went super smoothly, which is why I want to kind of share the steps we took because I found horror stories online of people trying to take their foster kid and they showed up at the port and the kid was rejected and they had to leave or a family member had to take their kid and they went on the cruise. Like oh, I was like, that, would that cannot be? happen. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine so. the disappointment there. I mean, it's, it's, I know the disappointment, you know, some people have, you know, tested positive for COVID and rejected from getting on the ship and how awful that must be for their children. But this sounds like, you know, if there's a way to avoid a rejection over a birth certificate issue, oh God, I would hope that people would do everything in their power to prevent that. So I'm glad you did. Definitely. And I I would 100% recommend if any foster parent is planning a cruise, please get travel insurance and get cancel for any reason travel insurance because you just never know. Like it's such a, a volatile circumstance. You never know if they're going to be moved or for us, we knew our kids were going to be adopted by us. So there was a little more stability there. We knew that the their parental rights had been terminated and all of that stuff. So we knew that we were going to adopt them. We just didn't know when. But if you were taking a foster placement, I mean, you really don't know how long that kid's going to be with you, which is another reason I would say you might not be able to book early and get a really great deal because you need to wait until it's closer to make sure that it's actually they're possibly still going to be with you. So 
there is a lot to it. And, you know, obviously with adoption, our situation was slightly different, but yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of things I could kind of go through with you guys to just share. If you have a foster kid and you want to go, you can, and it's not as hard as it seems. <laughs> it's definitely, I'm sure more complicated on the, the planning side, but if you are prepared, it sounds like it's doable. The other part, I guess, is that's probably hard is if you are in a situation where you have a foster kid and you don't know if they're going to be staying with you or for how long, I might not tell them about the cruise, at least not until right, right, right before, because, you know, what if you've promised them this cruise and then they get moved from your care? I wanted to mention that, too, because, you know, even for our kids, we were adopting them and I didn't tell them until, you know, pretty soon before because you just never know what could happen. Um, and so I definitely would recommend that. I was curious, Katie, were you, it sounds like you're traveling with your kiddos on birth certificates. You didn't get passports for them. No, we did not get passports because we knew their names were changing. And so we didn't want to go through the process. I mean, ideally, if we go again, they will have passports because I know that's like the best, safest way to travel because we're like, we're going to get their passport. And then what if their name changes before we even sail? And, you know, we just thought we're not going to we're not going to worry about that this time. And it was such a short trip. We're like, OK, but in the future, that would be the plan. Well, I know you went to Nassau and to Castaway. This is, I think, a great segue to whether or not you got off at the ports, because that's the main reason why a lot of people would you know, want to have a, a passport um, if you're getting off at the ports, particularly if you're not doing an excursion. I imagine because of vaccination status, you would have needed to be on a Disney excursion anyway for your youngest kiddo. But tell us, uh, did you guys get off at the ports and what were the excursions or things that you did? We actually intentionally did not get off at Nassau because we wanted to, it was such a short cruise. We wanted to take advantage of being on the ship. And even with staying on board, there were so many things we didn't do. I was like really shocked <laughs> at what we could not accomplish. So I was like, oh, we'll definitely do midship detective and all this stuff. And it just didn't happen. Mostly because my kids only cared about swimming, but you know, <laughs> there are other things too. So we did not get off there, but we did get off at Castaway and that was really fun. We really enjoyed doing that. We didn't really do anything particularly like different there. Um, the kids did go to Scuttles Cove, which I was like praying they were going to actually want to go. <laughs> My youngest was a little bit like, why are we going? You know, <laughs> our kids don't swim very well. Like they've never learned how to swim before they're with us. And so it's been like a, an overcoming of fear. And so my husband and I really wanted to do snorkeling. And we're like, there's no way they can handle that. They would freak out. So they were able to go to Scuttles Cove and we did the snorkeling, which was super fun. But we didn't do any other kind of activity. We wanted to keep things really relaxed and chill. So Katie, I'm curious, did you do anything? I know there's a process in checking in where you can alert the kids clubs to kind of information about your kiddo that might help them. Did your kids go into the kids club? Did you give the kids club any kind of heads up or, you know, background information about your kids? Yes, I did. When I did the online registration, I included information a little bit about their background. I didn't go into a ton of detail, but I just said, you know, if you notice some anxiety or things like that, that is typical for this child and this is a good way to handle it. Obviously, contact us if it gets really bad, but usually they eventually just kind of like ease up into the situation and they're okay. Uh, I was most worried actually about our four-year-old because the separation anxiety that she gets is just like, sometimes she's the most outgoing kid ever. Ever, but you know, you take her to preschool or something like that, and she's just like, I don't want to be here. I want to be with you. And so 
we kind of said, you know, she might be sad at first, but I know that if she stays, she's going to love it because she loves playing with other kids. And so thankfully, we didn't really have an issue. I think one day she asked to leave slightly early um, and we went and got them and it was fine. But we they actually spent quite a bit of time in the kids club. So I think our first day, like when we were at Nassau, they were in the kids club. And then obviously when we were at Castaway, they're in the kids club and actually the first night as well. They went for a short, I think it was like an hour, an hour and a half that they were there. So they did really enjoy it. Our do- our oldest, though, it really liked the preteen club better than anything. So. Yeah, I, I do think starting out that first night with just a short time in the kids club is generally a good tip. I was going to ask whether or not the younger one, do you think that she did better because the older ones were there with her? But it sounds like only the middle child was with the the younger at the kids club because the oldest was at the preteen club. Is that is that right? The first night and then the first day, the time that they were there, they actually all went to the kids club because this is kind of terrible, but I didn't want my oldest necessarily to know about the preteen club right away because, (laughs) you know, sometimes like the boundaries with kids who are older than her and she's at like the youngest possible age to be in the club. And so I was just like, I don't know how that's going to work. But we did eventually let her go because, of course, the people were like, hey, did you know about the preteen club? And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> so oh, you have to she pretend up, like you didn't know. <laughs> right. She ended up going and she did great. And she she really enjoyed it and met some good people. So it went really well. And I'm glad it did. But yeah, the the last couple sessions, she just went there. And I think she even went there one time when the other kids were with us and we were doing Aqueduct. And she's like, I want to go hang out with the preteens. So we let her do that. And she she really enjoyed Enjoyed it. So I was happy with how it all went. Do your kids have any kind of, well, are they picky eaters? Sometimes special needs kids can be picky eaters. And so I'm curious, picky eaters and how did the food go on board for them? So our our son is the picky eater in the family. I mean, he when he came to us, he ate like five foods. It was like, you know, chicken nuggets, like I think like spaghetti from a can. Like it was bad. Like We were like, oh my gosh. And so we we had made a lot of progress before the trip. Like, I mean, he's he tries so many things now. But there were a couple times, I think mostly when we were at Cabana's, that they were like, I don't like this. Or, you know, it's like they only wanted to eat the chicken fingers and like nothing else. I don't really blame them. Right. <laughs> Those are right. some good chicken fingers. Right. And so I was like, you know, we just, we were kind of like, we're not going to push food on this trip. I the, the other thing I will say is the dining experience at the actual like sit down dining, the transition or was it rotational dining? That was interesting. They did seem to like the food overall, but it was a long time. That was a long dinner. So I don't know if you guys have experienced that with um, having a special needs kid, but to us, it was almost like too long for our kids to be sitting there and having to eat and like sit still and be in their chair. So yeah, I would do something different. Did you do early dining or late dining? We did early dining and it was that was the best choice, I think, but it was definitely a long experience. Can't remember if they did this in early dining or just late dining, but if your kids are big fans of the kids club, they used to have this thing and they I'm sure that they will bring it back as they return to more normal sailing. But they used to have this thing where the kids club counselors would come to the dining room and so they would prioritize feeding the kids at your table. And then the kids club counselors, I think you had to sign up for it or indicate that your kids were going to go into the club at dinner, but they would come, they would collect all the kids, take them to the kids club. And then the adults could linger behind and you kind of enjoy their dinner at a normal pace. So the kids would get fed first. 
while you were having appetizers, they'd be eating, you know, their entrees basically. So might be something in the future if they bring it back to check out to uh, to help with that. But yes, uh, we have definitely experienced at times that that dinner can be a long experience. So it was a great experience, just long. Yeah, especially I was going to say, especially animators palette when they do like the animation magic show, they don't do it until like the adults are getting dessert. And so it's quite it can be quite a long dinner. Yeah, it just sometimes it also depends on the servers. I I find that if they don't bring the kids food on the early side, it it really can stretch things out. But, you know, I think I, I would love to see them bring back that kids club, I'll call it kids club delivery service that they used to right? have. <laughs> I heard about that, you know, but then obviously we went during COVID and I was like, that would be great if they could go and not have to sit here for that long. So I'm also curious about stateroom because it's you, your husband, three kids. I assume you got like one of the family deluxe staterooms. Did it feel crowded uh, in there? Did the kids uh, like the beds? Uh, how'd that go? Um, yeah, we were in a veranda room, the you know family deluxe veranda room, and it was really nice. I think it was bigger than I expected it to be. Um, obviously, people say they're really good sizes, but I was actually pretty impressed with the amount of space, even though we had five people in there. <laughs> um, the kids did love the beds that like, especially the one that pulls out of the ceiling, you know, that one's super fun. We had to take turns with who slept there which night <laughs> and all of that. The only downside of it is like, you know, we're thinking, okay, there's a veranda. So at night when our kids are in bed, we could go like just sit on the veranda and talk and whatever. But our kid's bed was like pulled out in front of the doors and we're like, like, we're going to wake them up if we try to go out there. So that was the only thing that was like a little bit more challenging. You know, we didn't fully take advantage of that actual veranda as much as I would like to. But the kids really enjoyed it. I felt the only issue with space was we just had a lot of stuff and it was just hard to keep it all organized while in, in a smaller space like that. I know a question that Sam will want to hear the answer to, which is, did you take the kids to the shows? That's also yeah, been a challenge for ex- us. That's been a challenge ask, for us. Yeah, it, that's one of those. So just to preface this question for the audience, you know, the shows on Disney Cruise Line are not as long as like a real Broadway show, but they are an hour, sometimes even an hour and 15 minutes. And certainly the audience is a more tolerant than like a Broadway audience would be of children. But yeah, did you guys go? And if so, what was that experience like? Yes, we did go. The only show that they were doing was Beauty and the Beast. So I was a little sad because I was like, oh, I wish we could have more shows to watch because I'm a big like I love Broadway shows and musicals and all of that. And so we took the we took the kids and my my two daughters were like mesmerized by it. They loved it. My youngest daughter like loves when things are loud and overstimulating. It's like her favorite thing in the world. So <laughs> she was fine. But my my son was like, I think I mentioned earlier, he really doesn't like loud noises. And the show was very loud. I don't know if that's because we were sitting pretty close, but he definitely struggled and felt a little scared at times. So, you know, at the end, he was like, that was good, but it was really loud. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's true. It was a little loud. Um, Uh, But yeah, we did go and we enjoyed it. And on the dream and the fantasy, if you sit up in the second level, it's not quite as loud. The only problem is, is that then you do see some of the special effects um, stuff that is more magical if you don't see like trapdoors and stuff. So, but that's a fantastic show. I know that uh, I understand that you wanted to see more than one show, but you saw the pretty much the The best best one one or, or, or the or top two in the fleet. 
Yeah, we really enjoyed it. So we we all I think I think he would go see it again. Like, I don't think he's like, oh, I'll never go. He was just a little bit nervous being there. Well, Sam, what have we not covered about traveling with special needs kids on Disney Cruise Line? Or, or Katie, if there's something that we haven't hit on from the show that you wanted to be sure to share with the audience. Well, I'm curious about onboard activities beyond, you know, the kids club. If you guys did any of like the family game shows, did you find your kiddos enjoyed those or any of the trivia, anything like that? We did go to one of the family game shows. We didn't end up doing any trivia. Our kids were, like I said, they were just obsessed with being at the pool. That was all they cared about. I was like, man, we could have just gone to a hotel with a pool. I mean, this is all they really care about here. But uh, we did go to one game show and our oldest daughter liked it. And the younger two were kind of like, what's going on? You know, they just I think they were just like tired and everything from the day. I really enjoyed the family game show. And my husband and I went and watched Match Your Mate one night and all of that stuff. So I I think that's something if we go again, I'd like to go on a longer sailing and just have more opportunities to see some of those shows. Because I do think as the kids get older, they will appreciate that type of entertainment more. Did did everybody enjoy the, since they enjoyed the pool deck so much, did they enjoy the water slides? Because I know in the Dream and the Fantasy, you've got the Mickey slide as well as the Aqua Duck. Um, Did the younger kids uh, like the Mickey slide and did you all go on the Aqua Duck? Yeah, we actually did all go on the Aqua Duck. I was really impressed with my oldest daughter because she gets nervous with that type of thing. And she loved it. I think she liked it more than the younger kids did. The younger kids were like, yeah, that was fun. But they just I think they liked the Mickey slide because they didn't have to wait as long to go down it. So they could just like go up and go down and go up and go down. And with Aqueduct, you're standing in line a little bit longer. So there were many times just my daughter and I were going down the Aqueduct like multiple times because they were more interested in swimming. Well, Katie, what haven't we touched on that you were hoping to share or wanted to be sure to share about your experience on board the cruise line? I just think, you know, I think my goal is just to, I want people with special needs kids or with foster and adoptive kids to feel like this is a trip that's possible for them. And I kind of wanted to just explain why we felt like this trip was perfect. Like when we got back, we were just like, that was the perfect vacation for our family because it had a little bit of everything. We were able to spend some really quality time together and make good memories. But then we were also able to actually have alone time as husband and wife and like be able to go and watch shows together or go and relax in the adults only area. And so for us, that just ended up like the perfect combination of a trip. And we definitely will be going back. Was that stressful for you, the adult time? Because I found that when we went on our first cruise with our son, well, A, I don't think we prepared in the way that we should have. And so he was not all that into the kids club. But I'll say even today, I always have in the back of my mind, like, you know, we always have our phone at the ready when we're at Palo, just in case they call and say we have to come pick him up. Right. And I mean, did, did that go away for you or did you experience any of that anxiety yourselves as you were spending kind of time just together? I think the first like two sessions they had at the kids club, I was checking my phone a lot because I'm like, what if they are freaking out or getting nervous and want us to come back? But when the first time went so well and they came back and they had such a good experience, we were like, okay, I think they're going to be okay there. So I wasn't quite as nervous. We also on the ceiling, we did not do Paulo or Remy just because we're like, it's not that long of a a cruise and we just want to experience it with the kids and the dinners and stuff. So I think if I was somewhere like that, where I'd paid a lot of money to have that experience, and I'm like, oh, no, what if my kids want me to come pick them up in the middle of this, I would be a little more nervous about that. So I can definitely understand that feeling if you're there. 
Well, Sam, I think we have reached that point in the show where I am going to shift it over to you for rapid fire. So why don't you take it away? Yeah. So, Katie, I know you've listened to our show before, but I'm going to do a rapid fire with you, and it is going to be a Disney Cruise Line focused rapid fire. These are, well, first I'll start with a couple of regular, just your general Disney favorites. All right. We're going to start out with who is your favorite Disney or Pixar character? Belle. Nice. What is your favorite Disney or Pixar movie? Rapid fire. I'm trying to think quickly. I really like <laughs> Inside Out. I, oh. I really like yeah, our kiddo loves Inside Out, so uh, it's not my favorite, but I, it's a good it's a good movie. Solid I think movie. I watched it recently, so it's like at the top of my head. You know? Yeah, yeah. All right, favorite Disney song? I could show you the world. Aladdin. Oh, love it. All right, what was your favorite bar space or adult space on board the Disney Dream? We actually love the adults only cafe the best. Ooh, Cove oh, Cafe. Cove. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cafe. Yeah. yeah. That's a favorite of ours as well. All right. What was your favorite activity on board? Um, I really enjoyed Match Your Mate. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> we had a great time. <laughs> it is really funny. Um, what was your favorite rotational dining? And I know this, uh, this is a multiple choice question, right? You've got animators, you've got Enchanted Garden and Royal. I think I liked Royal Palace the best for food, but I liked Animator's Palette best for like the entertainment factor. Oh, okay. And which, which, uh, did you have animation magic or crush? Uh, we had crush. Nice. All right. Favorite food item on the ship. Let's, let's set aside dessert. So not non-dessert food item you had on the ship. It could be in rotational dining. It could have been on deck. It could be in, in cabanas, wherever. Um, I think probably, I think at Royal Palace, I had the best meal. I had some sort of steak, but I also, the thing that really stands out to me is I loved their French onion soup. I just thought it was really good. Yes. So that's the Chateau Briand. That's what you had. Okay. Yeah. That meal. All right. What is your bucket list cruise? So where do you want to go anywhere in the world on Disney Cruise Line? They don't even have to go there right now. (laughs) They don't even have to go there. Okay. Um, I think it would be awesome to do a Disney cruise to like Norway. I would love to go there. See like, you know, the fjords and all of that stuff would be really cool. Awesome. We're going there in September. So we'll tell you all about it. Oh, nice. I'll have to listen to that episode. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, what's next for your family? Well, uh, I think we might. There's a possibility we're going to be going back to Disney in November with my husband's side of the family. So they're trying to arrange like a family trip. So we'll see. I think if we go, it'll be like, you know, another one or two day thing in the park. Um, And then my husband and I are taking our 10th anniversary trip next summer. That's the big one I'm looking forward to. We're going to France. So are you going to are you going to hit up uh, Disneyland Paris for a day or two? I haven't decided yet because I'm like, I would love to, but I also have a limited time and I'm like, I want to experience the culture of the country. And so I haven't quite decided that yet. All right. Well, let us know because it's supposed to be really a great park to visit, but with terrible food. So (laughs) that's kind of funny. You'd think in France, the food would be good. Katie, I just want to ask one more question, which is just uh, out of rapid fire, which is just a favorite memory from your trip. There's like a lot of really good ones. I think I really loved the one night that we were on the deck and they had the little deck party and we were dancing with the fireworks. 
because the girls and I stayed out there. We were all dancing together. And my my youngest is like a dancer. She loves to just dance and dance. So we had a really fun time. And that was just a special memory we had together. Oh, awesome. Oh, you know, I for, did forget to ask how the, your kid, kiddos did with the characters. Some kids are uh, particularly younger kids. Some can be very frightened by the characters or and others are like all about the characters and want to run up and, and hug them. And I know and this is, you know, you guys sailed in COVID times. And so there was no hugging allowed. You know, how did your kiddos do with the character interactions? Well, my youngest was all about it. I mean, anytime there was a character out, she's like, we need to go see them right now, especially <laughs> if it was a princess. And she would just stand there and talk to the princesses. And she'd show them her little high heel shoes that she bought at Disney World. She'd say, do you have high heels on? <laughs> and so <laughs> she really, and they would show them, you know, her, their shoes. So even though there's no hugging, she was really interactive with them. And I thought they did a great job of having conversations and making it really fun and giving the kid attention. Um, and since she had never been to the parks and done anything like that, she, she didn't know that hugging was like a normal part of it. I do remember her asking like Goofy and Mickey a couple times, like, can we hug? And they were like, no, he can't hug you. But you can get a picture. And she was actually fine. Like she was like, oh, but okay, we'll take a picture. Like, so that was, I, I didn't think it was too bad. Obviously, I would love for them to be able to go when they can like get closer and all of that. But maybe next time. Well, Katie, I know that you have a blog and vlog, I think it is. You want to let folks know where they can find you if they want to follow along with your travels and hear more about your adventures with your kiddos? Yeah, I have a YouTube channel that's called La Casa de Katie. And I share a lot of information there about being a foster adoptive mom and our family. And then I do also share like anytime we go on a trip, I typically will vlog it and post about it. So I have three Disney cruise vlogs that I recently put up. So feel free to go check them out if you want to prepare your kids to go on a cruise as well. Honestly, I wish that we had done that. I think it's a super smart idea. We, you know, like I said, we we didn't, or like Brian said, we did not do that before our Disney cruise and didn't even think of it. And knowing what we know now, it's something we definitely would do. Well, Katie, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your family's experience with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It was great to chat. Well, I know today's show may not be relevant to everyone out there listening in our podcast community, but it is a big issue for us as parents of a special needs kid. And we love having folks on who can talk about those kinds of experiences. And, you know, I do think that there is some relevancy for any cruiser out there. Just, you know, recognize that when you see that kid melting down in the stairway or not having the greatest time at something, just recognize they may have special needs. They may not be able to control themselves and just, you know, don't judge them or their parents too quickly because everyone out there needs a vacation. Everyone needs the time to recharge. And so just fabulous that we could have someone like Katie on to talk about the things that she does to prepare her kids and the experiences that they were able to have together as a family. So with that, I do have another five-star review to read on the air this week. This one comes from UCDJoe77 who writes, one of the best. One of the best podcasts with lots of practical tips for cruising DCL and other trips, even how to navigate testing positive for COVID on board, episode 200. I always appreciate their midweek update. 
add it to your podcast list. Well, thank you, UCD Joe 77 for that review. As always, we love connecting with our listeners. We love getting the feedback because it motivates us to keep doing the show. And so thank you for taking the time to leave us a review. With that, I do want to thank each and every one of you out there for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us those five-star reviews. We will read them on the air each week and just love connecting with you, our listeners. You can always head over to dclduo.com to connect with us in so many ways and find all of our content. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also head over to our DCL Duo vlog and podcast Facebook group if you'd like to join a conversation with some like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like yourself. You can also head over to youtube.com slash DCL Duo for even more great content from our vlog. If you'd like to help support the show, you can always browse to patreon.com slash DCL Duo and join one of our monthly support tiers. We really do appreciate our Patreon community, which is growing each and every week. So head over there, check out our Patreon community. We love, love, love the support we get from them. You can also support the show by browsing to touringplans.com slash travel to book your next fabulous Disney vacation. Just let them know the DCL Duo sent you. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and no way reflect the views of Disney Cruise Line or the Disney Company. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night.